welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience. And this is Trisha, and I highly doubt that they threw Russell Williams a Wampenshaw in Canada. Oh, I don't know what that is, but it sounds festive. A military parade. Oh. Or maybe they did before he got caught for, like, some of the services he did. Right, like, maybe for his, like... Promotion. Yeah, when he became like a colonel and stuff. I don't know. I don't know anything about uh, military parades, so. I don't either. I feel like I remember him like residing over a parade, maybe, in the book. But it wasn't for him. Yeah. That that could be. So, well, yes, we are back with our final part, Russell Williams part two. Just a two-parter. Yep. Um, Just because there's not a whole lot... He's pretty close-lipped. I don't even... Did you find any interviews or anything with him? I didn't... The only thing that I found um, is that there... You can watch a video of his taped confession Okay. on YouTube, mm-hmm. but other than that, yeah. nothing. Totally. No interviews. Okay. Well, again, the book we're using for this um, serial killer is A New Kind of Monster, The Secret Life and Chilling Crimes of Colonel Russell Williams by Timothy Appleby, or Appleby. Probably Apple B. A-P-P-L-E-B-Y. Very good book. So, anyhow, Courtney, it's your question time. It is my question today. So I hope this is a nice, pleasant, easy one. Okay. So, what is something that just instantly brightens your day? If it happens. Oh my gosh. My first thought was video poker, but that is a bad thing. (laughs) <laughs> I'm trying to quit. So I'm going to think of something else. Um, puppy videos on anything, mm. anything or, or dogs. My dog will instantly brighten my day when he is the sweetest in the morning. Like he's not a cuddly dog. Um, and in the morning, it's the only time where he's cuddly. Aww. So I'm going to go with Mulder in the morning. Very nice. What about you? Mine is very similar. Yeah. Um, mine is not specifically my dog. I mean, although it often is, but just any sort of interaction with animals. Yeah. Where I get to pet them or play with them or snuggle them. We have a couple squirrels um, that fight over my bird feeders out on the fence that I watch from my chair mm-hmm. inside. And it's very entertaining. Oh, I bet. And they grab onto those feeders so, like, their whole belly is exposed. And I really just want to tickle their belly, but, you know, I'm not going to. They'd probably, probably bite you. They, or they just would run away. I don't know. Mm. I've seen people domesticate those things. Not that I would want to domesticate it, but, like, to the point where they'll come and eat out of their hands. Right. And have you – oh, no, I took you, remember? Or maybe you had been there before when we went to the top of that one, um, Skinner yeah. Spencer's, which – Spencer's ooh, Butte. I mix those up. Yep, and there's and the, the squirrels up yeah, there that'll eat out of your hand. they'll eat out of your hand. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. So any of you guys in the Eugene area, um, it's pretty neat. Just, like – bring whatever food up there hopefully something squirrel friendly mm-hmm. and they they like nuts yeah they like granola bars fruit. yeah and they'll come up to you and like just eat right out of your hand now it's probably not a good idea to do that in most places however i think it's been going on there for quite a while right they've so, already learned how to do it yeah it's too late for them they're already dependent <laughs> on humans for treats so mm-hmm. courtney um, do you want to do a little recapization? Yes. So last week we learned about Russell Williams' kind of unique childhood growing up with scientist swinger parents, 
traveling the world and becoming a highly successful pilot in the Canadian Air Force. He then, when he was in his 30s, began breaking into homes, stealing lingerie from its female occupants, and taking photos of himself holding and wearing these items. Yes, and these photos can be found in the book I just referenced. Right. Well, there's a photo of him wearing women lingerie and a couple photos of his... Um, collection? Mm-hmm. Very yes. organized collection. All 1,400 pieces of it. Dang. So the police were warning the public to be leery about break-ins um, at this point, even though the only things that were missing were women's garments, but the public needed to be aware that something was occurring. A profiler was even called in to help the police in figuring out who was doing this. His name was Detective Sergeant Jim Van Allen. Williams was getting bolder during this time. He even left a message on a computer in a house he invaded that told the homeowners he had been there. In another house, he put a picture on the ground of the woman who lived in the house, and um, he masturbated on it and left it there. So I guess not too worried about DNA. He also purposely left a trail of leaves from his entry point on the property up to the entrance of a house he broke into to indicate he had been there. So Courtney, what do you think he's doing? As we've seen with others, Russell is clearly escalating his behavior to take more risks in order to increase the thrill and the eventual sexual payoff. He got away with his break-ins for so long without any real attention or risk that it was just getting too easy and therefore kind of boring. His ego and you know that possible narcissistic side to him were likely also craving that recognition for his abilities. It reminds me a lot of when BTK started to send notes to the media for attention. What is kind of interesting about Russ is that we can clearly see his escalation. I mean, yes. we can see that with other serial killers too, but like his is not so dramatic, I suppose, because we can see him breaking in we can see him breaking in again we can see him taking pictures and stuff like that and then slowly like let's make sure they knew I was here and then slowly a little more so right he definitely had more steps mm -hmm. to his escalation yeah and we can see them so yes. it's kind of interesting to just oh we know what's coming right <laughs> type of thing the profiler and the police figured the perpetrator must have lived in the immediate area based on the break-ins, and the profiler guessed that it would be, or that it would eventually escalate beyond what he was doing. So, I don't know if I made this clear, but Russell had more than one house, right? He had a yes. little home in Tweed, then he had one closer to Orleans because it was near the airbase, and right. So he, he did kind of live in the area, right? He split his time between the two houses. Yeah. So just to make sure that is clear. Sometimes there would be a lot of burglary activity all at once, and then there would be a long cooling off period where there was nothing. The police narrowed in on a convicted sex offender in the neighborhood as a suspect, and right around that time, Williams had burned a bunch of lingerie in a public place, so the police thought that they actually caught the guy, but he was eventually ruled out after being surveilled for a while. Williams only disposed of his contraband twice that is known of. He kept the rest. Williams continued to raid homes even though the neighbors, uh, neighborhoods were being patrolled by police during this time. So he was, it probably was funner for him. Like, oh, there's the cop down the street. This is my time to get in or, you know, whatever. Right. The exactly. cat and mouse game. 
At work, Williams was learning French, which was required to be promoted to colonel. He was pretty good at it and worked at it quite a bit in his daytime hours. During the night, however, he was continuing with his illegal activities. He broke into the house of a woman in Orleans and stole 186 pieces of clothing. In one of his burglaries, he also uh, put the woman's ID out into an open space where she would find it. But he left the jewelry that was next to it. So it's like obvious he was there for one thing, which is kind of creepy. Now, this whole time, Williams kept records of all of his hits. He meticulously meticulously cataloged all of his photographs on his home computer and compulsively labeled everything. Quote, the photos were subdivided into categories and labeled, showing where he had found them. Bedroom, bedroom laundry, basement laundry, spare room, etc. Once again, his obsessive need to organize his trophies was on display. Courtney, can you go over the difference between OCD and OCPD, and which do you feel Williams is? After he was eventually caught, Russell received a psychological assessment, and this assessor suggested that Russell may have obsessive-compulsive personality disorder and or obsessive-compulsive disorder, which are not the same thing. With obsessive-compulsive disorder, or OCD, a person experiences specific obsessive thoughts that cause distress and then engages in compulsive behaviors to try to alleviate this distress or prevent you know, bad things from happening. OCD can appear at and start at any age and is pretty responsive to therapy like um, cognitive behavioral therapy. A person with obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, however, will have more general obsession with perfecting, uh, excuse me, with perfect work and task completion, planning and organizing, fixation on rules, morals, lists, and small details, and can have hoarding tendencies. You know, these personality traits are pretty fixed. They start in childhood, and often the person with obsessive-compulsive personality disorder might not have insight into their problematic behaviors as being problematic. It's just sort of the way that they think. And it is possible to have both. And I think that that might be the case for Russell Williams. There is evidence of his perfectionism and his need for control going back to his childhood, like with his playing the trumpet and his obsessive attention to like his physique and exercise, mm-hmm. for example. And it's seen repeatedly in aspects of his adult life, such as his devotion to the military, rising through the ranks, Um, his organization at home with his personal items and on his computer. And it could be um, kind of explained why at times he was viewed as kind of like cold or rigid, things like that. Um, And, I mean, obviously, if we think about his photographs and his collection of undergarments, I could say we could look at that as a hoarding behavior Hmm. as well. Sure. Like he couldn't get rid of them. Right. Um, and then I also think that it's possible that his sexual fantasies about women's lingerie maybe started as intrusive, obsessive thoughts that he tried to ignore or repress. After enough time, these thoughts may have become overwhelming and led to very strong urges, aka compulsions, to act on them. And then once he did act on them, he experienced relief that could have been 
almost euphoric feeling after fighting for so long against it, which would then have made it even harder to try to resist the compulsion going forward. Do you think he stole so many pieces of clothing um, for the thrill, or do you think it was like he had to? He was compelled to at this point because of possibly being a hoarder needed it. This is just your opinion. Yeah. Um, Based on the very little information we have, I would guess that it may have been like a compulsion. Mm -hmm. Like he needed to take them. Like 186 pieces of underwear. I mean, who has Mm -hmm. that many in the first place? But whatever, like Mm -hmm. that's a lot for one haul. (laughs) Right. And if you think about how kind of compulsions work, they're not sensical. Mm-hmm. It is very much like a voice that says, do this. Take all of the underwear. Take this many. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop until you do it. Yeah. Okay. There was a house in Tweed that he seemed to be obsessed with. He would eventually break into it nine times. So this is the sixth time, and it shows an escalation. He waited until one in the morning when the woman in the home took a shower. Williams, outside, took off all of his clothes and then broke into the house while she's home in the shower. He walked around the house naked while the occupant was unaware, and then he went into a room, took some underwear, and left. When he went home, he made a digital journal entry on his computer. Quote, it said, on naked walk from back 40 after having watched for 30 minutes or so and confident that she was home alone. I entered her house naked just after she got into the shower. Very tempting to take her panties and bra from the bathroom. Decided it would be entirely obvious that someone was in the house while she was in the shower. Took panties from panty drawer instead. This is terrifying. Even if the doors and windows were locked, he was still getting in there. It's giving me a Richard Ramirez vibe. Do you remember in the hotel room? I do remember that. Yeah, where he was working at the hotel Uh and used his key to break in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Russell was a perfectionist, and he learned new things very quickly and easily, so it is not surprising that he would also master the art of breaking and entering. Yeah. And being an all-around creeper. Right. And it sounds like he mostly broke through windows, stuff like that. But guess what happened next? He became a colonel. Yes, he was still rising through the military ranks during the day and descending into depravity at night. Is that a nice line? That is so nice. Thank you. I was waxing poetic at the time I wrote this. You should get that tattooed on your arm. (laughs) Don't really, but. (laughs) I love those um, bad tattoo videos. Mm -hmm. Those crack me up. Yes. I mean, I feel sort of sorry for the people that got them, but they're still funny anyways. Right. Anyway. Back to Russell. September 17th, 2009. His crimes again escalated. Williams claims he spotted who he referred to as, quote, Jane Doe from his boat on a lake someday or one of the days um, during this time. He decided she would be his first victim. Well, violent crime victim, anyhow. One night while she and her baby were asleep in their home, Williams broke in through a window. He woke the woman up by holding her down on the bed. A struggle ensued, but Williams was much stronger. He told the woman he would not kill her. He flipped her over onto her stomach and sat on her back and hit her three times in the head. He tied her up with pillowcases and then put one over her head. He then took pictures of her, some clothes, others he had removed the clothing. He then stole some bras and underwear. 
When he was finished, he told her to count to 300 before she tried to get help. When the police were summoned, it was all like a very confusing crime scene. At this point, no one in the town of Tweed had reported the burglaries um, because they didn't really know that stuff was missing. And he had committed so many. The ones that had been reported were in the area of Orleans, which was 120 miles away. So, you know, he's hitting two separate communities. He had houses in both places. Also, true to the form of this kind of criminal is that, you know, he would return to the house the the next day. That's what he did. The woman had left, luckily, to stay with family. And so he broke into her house again, the same woman, and stole 15 more items and took more photographs. He went back again the next night, but saw that a male was in the house, so he decided not to chance it. But he went back again three nights later and stole more underwear and took more nude photos of himself, one of which was him in a pair of Jane Doe's thong underwear. Courtney? You know, it may have taken him a while, but Russell is now showing similar escalation patterns to our serial, other serial killers. You know, he's increasing the frequency of his crimes, the risk associated, and the level of violence. And he's continuing to take trophies, panties and photos, and revisit the scene. His level of trophyism, <laughs> whatever, is like amazing. He yes. is, I mean, they all take trophies usually, but like he takes tons and then he records them on top of that. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with that sure. fetish disorder. Yeah. Right. Where he is just sexually turned on by. Mm-hmm ladies lingerie and by wearing ladies lingerie right mix it with his ocd ocpd like it's just yep. yeah um Lori messicott and i know i said that wrong i apologize was his next victim he broke into her house twice while she was not home and you know did his regular thing and then when he broke in once while she was home he repeated what he had done to jane doe he took photographs of Lori, but would alternate from being a bad guy Um, to offering her an aspirin and trying to keep her from being hurt. He used a knife to cut her clothes off uh, when, of course, she was, at this time, she was panicked, thinking he would kill her. But he said calmly, no, there'll be no need to rape you or kill you if I get these pictures. He took 29 photographs in all, most of Lori, but a few of himself, naked or wearing her garments. And so this was at the end of September. So with both of these um, attacks, both of the women said that he would switch from being an attacker but then act like he was worried about their well-being right so really bizarre you know um it wouldn't stay that way but the next victim he started to stalk uh it was around november 16th he had been hitting other houses during this period but not when people were home and he headed out of his usual territory for this one to the town of brighton he had decided on a 37 year old flight attendant who was actually under him at the base her name was corporal marie france cornu camo camo oh that's an m He knew when she would be out of town, and he chose those times to hit her residence and steal articles of clothing. The same night that he hit her house, he hit another house and stole many articles of clothing and also a few sex toys. He left a message on the home computer that read, quote, go ahead, call the police. I want to show the judge your really big dildos. He went back to that home within 24 hours and stole again. Altogether, he stole 116 pieces of her underwear. A week later... 
Williams broke back into Corporal Marie France's house again. He knew she was home because he knew her work schedule. He arrived around 11 p.m. and watched her patiently outside while she was on the phone. When she was done, he made his move. He used the same entry as before through the basement. Marie France was looking for her cats, and one of them was in the basement um, because they had found Russell. And when she found the cat, she also found Russell. He was masked, so she did not know who he was. She screamed at him, and they began to struggle. Williams hit her on the head many times with his big flashlight, and that knocked her down. She tried to escape, but he held her down, eventually binding her with rope. He wrapped duct tape around her whole head and face, leaving just a gap to breathe in or breathe through. It was probably so terrifying. He then dragged her to a metal post in the basement and tied her to it. He took several photographs of his handiwork. While she was tied up, William started safeguarding the rest of the house. He covered his tracks outside and broke a key off in the front door so no one could enter. He closed the blinds or covered the windows. He removed all the nightlights from the bedrooms. Then he went back down to the basement to move Marie, and they struggled again. He must have thrown her head first into the drywall based on the dent they found and all the blood at the scene. But she had been knocked out at this time, and, you know, he took more pictures. He got her upstairs and onto the bed. Once there, he started to video record what he was doing. He raped her for two hours, all of which he recorded, and he took many more photographs as well. Eventually, he killed her by covering that small hole that she was breathing from with more duct tape. Throughout the whole ordeal, she was begging for her life. When she passed, he took more photos, washed the bed linen, raided her panty drawer, took nine pieces, and then left. Courtney? Now, this is a major escalation in multiple ways. It is the first time he targeted somebody that he knew through work, who could have clearly recognized him. It was the first time he actually raped a victim. He'd threatened to before in the last two assaults, but had not acted on it when he was able to get the sexually explicit pictures. And it was the most violent assault, and the first time that he killed his victim as well. He crossed several lines that he cannot take back or come back from, and his compulsive urges to do it all again will just continue to get stronger. Yes. It was a big leap. Um, Her body was discovered about 30 hours later. Williams did not attend the funeral, the one that, you know, he would have been invited to, but he did send a letter to her father. The letter said, quote, please let me know whether there is anything I can do to help with you at this very difficult time. You and your family are in our thoughts and prayers with our deepest sympathy. Courtney, do you think he's enjoying this? Maybe. It could have been an ego trip to send such a letter to the family of the victim, knowing that he was the one who caused the pain. But on the other hand, Russell's also extremely pragmatic, and sending this letter could have been a countermeasure, as it would probably be expected of him as her commanding officer to offer his condolences to the family. Yeah, I just, I don't know about him, because like we said, we're not, he doesn't seem to be a sociopath, right? He's got some feelings. I feel like some of the other killers we covered would have been gleefully happy at this point. Like, ta ha ha ha. Oh, definitely. Probably would have went to the funeral right. and was like sending this letter and just tickled pink about it. I don't necessarily know that he would feel this way. He just doesn't seem that type, but who knows? Right. We just, we don't know what was in his head. Yeah. 
Jessica Lloyd was discovered to be missing on January 29th, 2010, when her work contacted her mother to say she had not shown up that day. At her house, they found her car in the driveway, her person ID inside, along with her glasses, phone, and car keys, and everything that you would need if you left, but no Jessica. When the police arrived at the house, they saw two pairs of footprints in the snow leading away from the residence. They also found tire tracks that they were able to identify could be could belong to a few types of SUVs or trucks. A search was quickly underway. And get this, the military provided a plane approved by none other than Colonel Russell Williams. The crimes that Russell had committed had been, you know, varying levels of degree and throughout multiple jurisdictions. It wasn't quite coming together at this point. The RCMP had a new computer system called, uh, the acronym was VICLAS, V-I-C-L-A-S, which was short for the Violent Crime Linkage System. This system was actually created because of earlier crimes committed by that nasty-ass son-of-a-bitch Clifford Olson. The worst, I think, the absolute worst of the killers we've looked at. Do you agree? I mean, he was horrific. Oh, my gosh. All children. Yes. Yes. Anywho, at the, as the name implied, its purpose was to link together different investigations by different jurisdictions. And this did link the crimes together um, between those communities. However, it did not help them find Jessica. The police had narrowed down the tire tracks to about 450 vehicles registered in the database in that area. So they decided to put out roadblocks up, you know, roadblocks up and stop anyone who had a vehicle of the type they were looking for. So Colonel Russell Williams drove up to that roadblock in his 2001 Nissan Pathfinder, which was one of the vehicle types identified by the police as a potential match, or at least the tires he had on um, were a potential match. He was questioned by the officer at the roadblock, and his tires were measured. He was let go at that time, but the officer was already calling in that they had a probable match. So they began surveillance on his house after that, and he was asked to come in on a Sunday, February 7th, to answer some questions. Before he went to the station, he attempted to hide evidence, a couple of hard drives that he um, would end up hiding in his basement. After a few hours of interrogation, Russell gave up the ghost. He admitted to knowing where Jessica was and showed the spot on the map. So I didn't really get into the interrogation, but um, it, it didn't last terribly long before he just admitted guilt. Nope. Um, Russ, uh, Williams described what he had done to Jessica. He crept into her house with the intent to harm her while she slept, but she awoke. He tied her hands behind the back, behind her back and blindfolded her with duct tape. He then raped her for three hours, videotaping it and taking photographs the whole time. He forced her to fillet him, uh, fillet him while a zip tie was around her neck. He said to her, quote, I feel something I don't like. I pull on that and you die. Got it? When he was finished, he walked Jessica across, Jessica across the field to his truck, leaving those footprints. She was still bound and blindfolded. He took her to his cottage in Tweed, his other home. He forced her to shower with him and videotaped the whole thing. He let her sleep a little while and then called in sick for the morning at work. When she woke up, the video shows that she had a seizure. It may or may not have been real. She claimed that after a seizure, she needed to get to the hospital. And Williams does sound concerned at this time, asking how he could help. She asks him, and this again is on camera, quote, If I die... Will you make sure my mom knows I love her? Which is just really sad. Mm -hmm. So I stuck that in there. He then turns off the camera. He let her sleep a while longer, then told her he was going to let her go. But he didn't. He clubbed her with the flashlight that he used last time, knocking her unconscious. Then he strangled her with a rope. 
He put her body um, in his garage and then went to his base in Trenton. Eventually, he would dump her in the woods. So, Courtney, a couple things. Uh, First, we can see that Russell was escalating again. In the first murder, he cut off the air supply with duct tape. This time, he manually strangled a person. I think it is safe to say that had he not gotten caught, he would have continued and perfected his M.O. Secondly, he confessed pretty dang quickly. We really aren't used to that. What are your thoughts? I agree with you that Russell likely would not have stopped killing um, unless he got caught. He technically does not meet the criteria for a serial killer in that he only had two victims who died. Um, But I have no doubt that he would have crossed that threshold Mm -hmm. pretty quickly if given the opportunity. You know, and as for the confession, I believe that there are potentially two motivators for his giving himself up so quickly. The first is that he was a very smart man and very practical and very tuned into the local police force as well. And, you know, he likely realized that the police knew it was him. They wouldn't have called him in without evidence. And, you know, so it would be kind of futile to fight against it knowing that they already knew it was him and had the evidence to back it up. The second is to remember that, you know, Russell doesn't fit that psychopath model. He did seem to have remorse for his actions and cared really deeply about not wanting to put his wife and family through the trauma of a trial. Yeah, that was noted many times was that he didn't want his wife to be, he wanted to keep her out of it as much as possible. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, if you, th- you think about it, he didn't necessarily try to cover up what he did. He was really really, like putting out there what he did. And the fact that he left DNA evidence everywhere by masturbating on everything. I mean, you know. Right. right. Because this was in 2000s. It was 2010. Right. This is not 1970 when people were like, what's DNA? (laughs) Right. Are you an excreter? Like, so. Right. Exactly. And they eventually did link it all to him Mm -hmm. with DNA. Well, so Colonel Russell Williams pled guilty to 88 charges, including two murders and two sexual assaults. He was sentenced to life in prison for the first-degree murder charges. What was noted as his trial by the judge himself, even, was that it really actually seemed that Russell Williams had remorse, that he had genuine feelings, um, and that he could feel real emotion. So, again, we're just reiterating this this is something that sets him apart from a lot of the other killers we've looked at. That and the age of when... He kind of started this crime spree, right? If you will, exactly. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts, Courtney? I actually think it would be really interesting to interview Russell about his motivations and the potential role that OCD may have played in his kind of eventual descent into murder. There just, you know, there haven't been many interviews with him. There's not a lot of follow up about anything really in his life other than what little was kind of public record, so to speak. You could write him and ask for an interview. I could potentially, but then I'd have to fly to Ontario. Hey, we've never been, or I haven't, except for in the airport. Yeah, I've been on to Ontario once. I haven't, like, to see the city and stuff. Um, I went to a Shakespeare festival in Stratford when I was in college. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just stopped there. I think it was Ontario on my way to Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I've been in the airport in Toronto too. But anyway, so we're done with him. 
Yeah, and that's Russell Williams. That's Russell Williams. Um, interesting guy. Very interesting. Yeah. But I got to say, this next one we're going to do is very, 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 very interesting. Yes, there's a lot, a lot to unpack about our next one. I'd say there's like many sides to his story. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So that that's my clue. Um, Courtney, what do we do when we realize that 50 pairs of our underwear have gone missing from our residence? Go nuts. File a police report and get a security system. And then go to therapy. I think so. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. Be safe. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.